right, I'm going to pray and then we'll get going. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, allowing us to be here today. Um, I'm not going to lie, this is probably part of the weekend that I was one of the most excited about because uh, teenage girls has a special place in my heart. I have one of my own plus a bunch of uh, adopted girls that I love so much. And I just know this time in our lives can be very hard and very confusing, but also can be some of the best most fun, most rewarding times, God. And um, I'm just so excited today to get to talk about faithfulness because it's something I wish I would have learned at their age and um, been able to start implementing in my life, God. So I pray today that um, through my weird jaw pain and weird bowel issues and all the drama of everything that has happened this weekend, God, that you will, that you'll open our hearts and that you'll allow me to be able to speak clearly, God, and I pray for every single girl that's here, God. You wanted them here. They're here for a specific reason, and there's amazing things you want to do through their life, God. So thank you for allowing us all to be here and allowing us to, um, to learn and to giving, giving us guidance on how we can live our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about Sarah. Just a quick show of hands, just so I can kind of know how how much detail I need to get in, because it drives me crazy sometimes when you go to a lesson and they're like, well, you and all know blah, 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 and you're sitting there like, I don't know about that. Or when you're like, yeah, everybody knows that story, but then the teacher or preacher tells you it for 45 minutes, and you're like, I already knew it. So how many of you guys are aware of Sarah? Abraham and Sarah, Old Testament, and just a general overview or because I feel like she's somebody that we probably hear about but we probably don't do you know like it's not the Esther probably you know or the Ruth or whatever that we tend to really focus on when we talk girls classes but just to give you a very I and I really do encourage you guys and I know whenever I go to a lesson and they're like hey go read up on this I'm always like yeah well maybe I don't know maybe I'll put it on and listen to it or whatever but I really do encourage you guys if you have some free time today to go and read Sarah's story because some of the things I say today you'll be like yeah okay that makes sense but I think after you read it um, you might even understand some of these things a little bit more. But I'm going to give you a really quick overview. So Sarah, whose original name was Sarai, first of all, she's born, and her name means my princess. So like I told you guys, I have a daughter, and I have two sons. Um, I was at a wrestling meet the other day, and one of the moms was talking. She's like, I got three boys, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I know what that's like. I got three boys too. And then she's like, well, and I'm like, I'm joking. I do have a girl, but I, they were talking about going to dance recitals and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I've never went to a dance recital. I was like, we bond by lifting weights. She picked the two of the manliest sports ever to do. Like, we beat each other up like I don't have Kennedy was never my little princess from the moment she was born I was like that girl got a mind of her own that girl crazy like she was never like let's put her in foo-foo dresses and big bows in her hair and she's my little princess like you know you see all these little girls now and they like dress up in the princess like dresses and stuff Kennedy was like the Katniss like if I'm gonna be a girl I'm gonna be the girl that goes out there and I'm gonna be the girl that like does like shoots things and beats people up and kills people like you know and so when I hear this and 
I'm like, oh, my, you know, when they, because names really meant something back then. Like, God would specifically tell people, name your person this because this is what their personality is going to be like. This is what is going to happen. So her name meant my princess. So some of you guys might really relate to that. You might be like, yes, I'm like the princess. And some of you might be more like me where you're like, that's cool, but, you know, I don't really necessarily maybe relate to that. But what, but just to kind of give you a quick overview, she grew up pretty pretty comfortably, like her younger years, she lived in a town, she was well established. One of the things that it constantly brings up is that Sarah was a drop, was drop dead gorgeous. As far as things going easy for her in that area, in a sense, it was good. Like she was always pretty, which like I say, we say it's really easy for her. But she also, on the other hand, everywhere she went, and this was, I mean, during a time where men were like, I want that, that's mine, and they would straight up take women, they'd kill their husbands and take them for their own wives. At 65 years old, she was seen by a pharaoh, and he was like, that is gorgeous, I want that, make her mine, gave her all this stuff, and her own husband had to be like, pretend like I'm your brother, pretend like I'm your brother so they don't kill me, and they let me live. Like, 65 years old. Like, I'm just, like, picturing that. I'm like, dang, girl. At 90 years old, close to 90, in her 80s, another situation happened like that. But another, but to go along with that, it also came things where everywhere she went, everybody wanted her. So, you know, we look at like, oh, you're, she's so beautiful. Everywhere she goes. No, like, she seriously had to be very careful of rapists, literally, everywhere she went. And... So when she was younger, she grew up, she married Abraham. So God comes to Abraham one day and is like, Abraham, pack up all you know. I want you to just go. I want you to go. Live a no, you guys are in high school, nomad life, you know. Imagine you're living in the city, you're, you're a suburban girl, you're, you know, you're living in a neighborhood, you've got everything at your fingertips. You marry a man and then one day, God, or not even marry a man, say one day your dad comes to you and he's like, hey, pack it all up, we're on the road. We're going to just travel. I don't know where we're going, but God told me to go. And one thing about Sarah is she said, okay. She's the princess. She's beautiful. She's, you know, whatever. And she said, okay, and she did. And her and her husband lived a nomadic life for a very, very long time. They traveled. It was like harsh conditions. They walked. They went from city to city. And throughout this entire time, God has come to her husband Abraham and has said, I'm going to make you the father of of a great nation. But there was one little problem. Sarah couldn't get pregnant. She, they tried and tried. And again, I'm speaking to a bunch of teenagers here. You guys are like, great, that's not a problem. (laughs) Like, you know, like to most of you guys, like that's my worst nightmare, getting pregnant. But I'm telling you guys, once you are married, and if something, I mean, a lot of you, I'm gonna share something with you guys, but you gotta promise not to tease him. One of my son's most deepest, deepest fears, and he literally said it to me the other day, dead serious, almost tears in his eyes, is, Mom, I'm really scared when I grow up and I get married, I'm not going to be able to have kids, and I'm not going to be able to be a dad. And it's weird because he's 15, and I'm like, for now, glad that that's not happening. But I do understand, like, there's that longing. And if you guys have ever been around someone who desperately, desperately wants to have a baby, there is a longing and there is a desire that they would, and I am not joking when I say this, they would literally give up anything to be able to have that. 
And Sarah lived this life where she kept getting promised that she was going to have a baby. And, she, and back then, guys, that was it. It didn't matter what you, what, how, what you look like. It didn't matter how much stuff you had. What mattered was how many kids you had. What a great legacy you were going to leave behind by all the children that you were going to leave behind and what they were going to do with their lives and so on and so on. So for Sarah, she had this part inside of her that she lived for 90 years with no child. And God kept telling her, telling her husband, like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And so today we're going to talk about faithfulness. I'm telling you guys, I have some friends, I have some family members, I have some people that have went through infertility. They've went through that longing and longing and that trying and that trying. And I kind of want to give you guys a little backup because, like I said, I know you guys aren't super familiar. But for some women, when they're trying to have a baby, they literally will, like, cut out major things in their diet. They'll take their temperature every single day because your temperatures are a little bit different during ovulation time, you know, during those two days. They pee on an ovulation stick to see if you get a smiley face or a sad face. Some of them get on hormones that literally make them feel like they are crazy. They have to, um, I have friends have to give themselves shots every single day for fertility stuff. And then you have to take something that normally is very pleasurable and feels really good, like sex. And then it becomes something that's very much so like, we got to do it. We got to do it right now. Like, I'm ovulating. We got to have sex right now. You know, and so even like the thing that's the fun, like whatever, kind of becomes one of those things where it's like, what's about making a baby? There are so many marriages that are destroyed from infertility because it just puts a burden on on a on a family sometimes. Um, I have a friend, Courtney, and she she literally says she's been trying for a long time to have a baby. And she sent me something the other day was like, "You stealing babies? When we going out and stealing babies?" And like obviously, Courtney, I want to clarify, Courtney is not going to kidnap children. However, this sweet innocent little you know is like I'm to the point now where I want to steal a baby because I want one so bad. So there, when I say that, one of the reasons why I'm going so much into that is, you guys, it's not, it's really easy to look at and be like, ah, she wanted a baby, she didn't have one. But it wasn't that. So I want you guys right here, right now, like I said, highly doubt any of you are like, that's my thing. But you might be like Jackson and be like, all I want in life is to have a family and have a good family and be able to pass on my legacy. That's his greatest fear. Some of you guys, that might be something, but I want you guys right now to look into yourself and be like, what is that longing? What is that thing that my heart says, I want this? I struggle with believing that God is going to give me this. What is that thing that you can look at that like Sarah's was a baby, like maybe some of your leaders, it's a baby. What is your thing that when I talk about all this, you can go back to and say this, this is that thing. Because, you know, one of the things, the cool things about Sarah, and I really do want to encourage you guys to go back and read it, because Sarah is an encouragement to me because she was a very flawed woman. You're not going to go through and read the story of Sarah and be like, man, she handled everything so beautifully. Like Courtney's rare moment of when we go to steal a baby. She had her moments way worse than that. You know, and it's many times I allow Satan to convince me that I cannot be known as a faithful woman of God because I'm so far from perfect. How many of you guys would say that you struggle at some point in time in your life with perfectionism? 
with feeling like I'm not good enough or I can never be that or, well, I screwed up here, I've done this, I gotta live down that, that reputation or if only people knew this about me because I've got this crap or this happened to me, whatever it might be. Guys, I'm a hardcore perfectionist. I do one thing or one thing happens, it's a snowball thing and everything in my life is just, I really, really have to fight it. And I can look at the story of Sarah and she's mentioned in the hall of faith as somebody who was a faithful woman of God. But you go back and read the story of Sarah and we're going to talk about a few of the things that, that uh, distracted her from this, that kind of got her off course at times. But she was an incredibly flawed woman. So I tell you guys that as an encouragement. You may not be perfect. Well, I take that back. You are not perfect <laughs> because you are not Jesus. You have crap in your life. That is not in any way, shape, or form to say, sin's cool, do whatever you want, you know, whatever. But sometimes at your guys' age, you guys got to realize you're dumb. You're going to make dumb decisions. I have two teenagers. Probably the thing that I've learned the most about being a parent of two teenagers there, they're going to do dumb stuff. They're going to say dumb things. I can't expect them to act like a 40-year-old. I can't expect them to get everything all the time. But one of the things I do want you guys to know is that there is encouragement in there. God looks at every single one of you and is like, I want you to be a faithful woman of God. I want you to be a faithful woman of God. I know you guys can stick to these things, that you can still be faithful, that you don't have to, you don't have to walk away, that you don't have to go try to find fulfillment in something else. I want you to stay here. I want you to trust me. So we're going to jump into um, to the first half of what we're going to talk about is what are the things that distract me from a life of faith? And the first thing is doubting God will actually do what he says. If you go through and you read the story of Sarah, there's many times when Sarah will say, yeah, I'm supposed to have this, but hmm, it's tick-tock, tick-tock. It's not coming. And there's doubt in there. Doubt is one of the hugest tools Satan uses to get in your guys' head to distract you from being faithful to him. He'll get in there and be like, but do they really love you? But do people really accept you for who you are? But do you really think if you do what God says that he's really going to give you all this stuff? You may be able to sit back and look at people's lives and see that they lived a faithful life and they were blessed and things are better for them. But Satan will still come and whisper in your ear, but look at what so-and-so over here is saying to do. They seem to act like they're happy, which is funny because we almost always look at people who are distract, trying to distract us from a relationship with God and know deep down inside they're miserable. We know it, but yet we doubt it. We doubt that what, well, what, what God really says is true. And to be perfectly honest with you guys, I think the reason why a lot of you guys doubt God's promises and God's faithfulness is because you don't know what he's promised you. You're not in your word as much as you should. When you have those moments where Satan's in, there, in your ear and he's like, bah, nah, 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 how many times are you guys like, no, I'm going to go to God's word. I'm going to read what God has to say. No, I'm going to go to a really godly woman who's going to speak God's truth in my life. Guys, even me, my first place to go to pity, self-doubt, try to numb it with something else. Uh, the la sometimes it's weird. The last thing I want to do is go to somebody who's been proven to be faithful, who knows what they're doing. But the thing that you guys really got to push for is 
unlike Sarah, where she was like, but are you, but are you, but are you? And it's really easy to beat her up because God said, I'm going to get you pregnant. You're going to get pregnant. If God, you know, if God was coming right to my husband, Jenny, you've been struggling, right? Everyone knows pregnant now. It's been a long road. One of the reasons why this is so close to my heart is because one of my best friends, Court, and my sister, I have watched them struggle and struggle and struggle with infertility. I've watched women in our church remain faithful to God for years and years and years and not, and not be able to get pregnant. And it is really hard. And guys, this has come from somebody that's like, I think I'll get pregnant. Bloop. And so there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of issues that I have there. But I'm telling you, if God goes to their, if God went to Evan and was like, you having a baby, Evan, you're going to be a daddy again. How, would you be like, okay, yeah, like, that's cool. Good confirmation. And yet she still was like, but really, but really, is, are you, is this going to happen? It's so easy for us to be like, well, if God would say that I'm going to get the man that I want, well, if God says I'm going to be happy, well, if God says that he's going to take care of me, even if, like, my family says this or that, or, you know, whatever it might be, it's really easy for us to be upset with her, but man, guys, 90 years, 90 years, like it was hard for me to sit back and watch three years, four years go by and be like, God, I'm getting real mad. It's not happening. So one of the things that we have to look at and that, that distracts us from a life of faith is that we doubt that God's going to actually do what he says. And then the second thing that distracts us, and I think this is the biggest problem, and to be honest with you guys, this is probably your number one, number one issue. We take matters into our own hands. God says he's going to take care of us. Well, how do we take that? Well, I better go do whatever I want then. No, I know God knows better, and God says that he's going to take care of me, but I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to read Genesis 16, 1 through 4. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, um, had bore him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to her, Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to do what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. <laughs> so God says, I'm going to make you a mom. You guys are going to have a great family. And she says, it's, well, then how about I make it work this way? Let me take a slave. I don't know what, what on earth. Like, and I'm going to give it to my husband. And they're going to get married. And then she can get pregnant. And I'm sure literally probably the second that it was done deal, she was like, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. I brought another woman into the picture. She got pregnant right away, and she thought that that was going to work. And we can look at Sarah. I look at Sarah, and I read them like, you're dumb. Guys, I've done this so many times. Well, I know God says that, you know, like, I can have peace and joy and fulfillment if I die to myself and I do the things he says and blah, blah, blah. But what do we do instead? I'm like, I gotta find it. I gotta find something. I gotta, I gotta lose weight. I gotta lose weight. That's what will make me happy. Like, I will feel fulfilled and peace and joy and happiness if I do this. If I buy more stuff. If so and so likes me. If I get this person that I want. 
Most of the time, 90% of the time, the things you guys are chasing after that's distracting you is you trying to take matters into your own hands. And God's like, will you chill out for five seconds? I have something better. And usually, a lot of the times, guys, the sad thing is, is it turns out like that, where afterwards, it's not like it was like, eh, that wasn't what I exactly wanted. It turns out to be something like, well, I hate that. Guys, I can't even tell you how many girls that I know that were like, I want a man, I want a husband, I want a husband. And then they go and they get in a relationship with a guy. It's not, God's like, I wish you just wait. I wish you just wait. And they're like, no, 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 this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And then, guys, two years later, they're like, I'm an idiot. Uh, we hate each other. This is the worst thing ever. I would rather be alone for the rest of my life than be married in this horrible, horrible situation. And then we, and we all look at it and we're like, uh, sorry? But you were so distracted by taking matters into your own hands and you didn't trust God and you weren't faithful to him that now she's got this situation where she's like, now my slave, my servant, my handmaid is now married to my husband and has a baby and I'm still sitting over. Did did she really think that was going to fulfill her? That was going to fulfill that longing of having a baby? But we sit there and we're like, this will fulfill that longing. Guys, God put something inside of you, that desire to feel secure and accepted and you are searching for it in the wrong places probably 75 80 percent of the time and I know that because I was that girl I was that girl that was like if I get straight A's if I get straight A's if I'm the perfect student if I am one of the best athletes I got a full ride to college dropped out after my first year full ride full academic ride Oh, and then I got to college, and guess what? That really made me, not, again, do it. Do your work, work hard, get good grades, be the best you can. But guys, if you're looking for it to fulfill you, if you're looking for it to give you a sense of security, it, it can't, it won't. That's going to be your, your, your Haggai and your, and your Ishmael. You're going to look at it. Guys, it got to a certain point with sports where when I got to college, I was like, I literally despise the sport I play. If I never, ever, ever play this sport again, I will be so happy because I made it my God so much and I was, I was good at it and I put money into it and I got attention for it and I got the love of my dad for it. But then the second that it was gone, there I was. And I was empty and I was insecure. With guys in high school, same thing. And so often, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what your longing is, what your desire is, but I guarantee you, it goes down to that need that needs, that we, that God gave us to be met, and you know where you can get it fulfilled? Through him, plain and simple. We've all tried to find the loophole. Um, You guys weren't in it, but Clint Hill yesterday did a lesson, and my favorite part of the lesson is he's like, we try to argue and argue and argue with God and what God's word says. And God's never going to be like, oh my gosh, I totally never thought of that before. You make a valid point. Changed. None of you are going to do that. None of you are going to be like, God, I know you say this. I know you say that I need to remain faithful. I know you say that I need to trust you. I know you say that I need to not worry about this or be concerned about this because you've got, got this taken care of. I know you say that I need to remain pure and I need to date godly men. I know you say that I shouldn't put store up all my treasures here on earth and I shouldn't be worried about material things or money or, you know, always being the best at everything, but you haven't seen it my way. I really think I can do it better. 
because Sarah thought she could. She said, well, maybe I can build a family through this. We're all sitting out here like, you're dumb. That's, that obviously wasn't going to work. And it caused a lifetime, a lifetime of pain. Um, I read a quote um, about this situation, and it just summed it up really perfectly. It said, but as she considered her circumstances, Sarah concluded that a kind of surrogate parenting was the only possible solution for her predicament. If God's promise to Abraham were to ever be fulfilled, Abraham had to father children by some means. Sarah thus took it upon herself to engineer a fulfillment of divine promise to Abraham. She unwittingly stepped into the role of God. So many of us are trying to play God in our own life. We are. We're like, I am not going to get in my word. I'm not going to trust what, what the people that God have put in my life are saying. I'm going to do it this way. Even if you tried it and tried it and tried it and tried it, and it keeps failing and failing and failing and sp spinning you in the face, and you're miserable and you're unhappy, some of you are like, I'm going to dig my heels into the ground, and I'm going to do it my way. And I'm telling you guys, I am begging you. I am groveling on the ground to let that go. I did it. I tried it. So many of my college girls lived that life, and they tried it. And I am telling you, the ones that are here today, the ones that have the good marriages with the good men that take care of them and support them and are faithful to them and are the best daddies in the whole world, and they have all that perfect little thing that they didn't ever think they could have because they doubted God's promises because most of them came from jacked-up families, me included. And I joke and I laugh like, oh, my daddy left and started a new family. But guys, it's, it, it was really, really hard for me to trust that I could marry a man who was going to stay faithful to my family for the rest of my life because of what my dad did to my family. But you know what? God has proven faithful. He's doing what he said that he would do, even though I was a jacked-up 17-year-old when I met him, and I didn't know what I was doing. God was like, do what I say, listen to what I say, obey me. And there were times when it was hard and I didn't like it and I had to change things. But he was like, do it my way, do it my way, do it my way. And fortunately, I had people like Ruth Jones and some of these other people were like, do it God's way. Hannah, do it God's way. And I had to swallow a lot of pride and I had to cry a lot and I had to really fight it. But when God says it, he says, don't step into my role because you're not God. You don't know better than me. You don't know better than what my word says. You don't know more than the people whose lives are showing that when they do what I say, things turn out that way. So please, please just listen. The third thing that, that distracts us is when we get angry, when we have to suffer the consequences of our unfaithful actions. Um. In Genesis 16, 4 through 6, right after that part, it, it's, even it says, he slept with Hagar, she became pregnant. When she, as soon as Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai went to Abram and said, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do what you, whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, and she fled from her. So many times we're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things the way that I think they should be done. And then we're mad at God when we have to suffer the consequences. We don't listen when we have, I, I know I've said this to you guys like a hundred billion freaking times, but I think it has to be said again because like I said, we're all hard-headed. You guys have zero idea how lucky you are to have the, the youth leaders you have. 
I was, I wanted to do the right thing in high school, man. I had a good heart. I wanted to. I came from a religious family where my mom said and did all the right things. I went to a freaking private Christian school for nine years. And I'm telling you guys back in the day, if we would have done like a Bible quiz thing or whatever, I would have kicked all y'all's butt. I knew everything the Bible had to say. I could quote things frontwards and back. And I really did want to do the right thing. I like held on to my purity even though I was at a church that literally said, as long as you guys don't go all the way or get pregnant and you keep it on the down low, you do what you need to do. I had youth leaders who literally said the complete opposite of what the Bible said. And I still was like, no, I'm holding on to this. I'm holding on to this. But you know, it just like got to a certain point where I had nobody in my life point me in the right direction. I had hypocritical parents. I had a youth group that I, you guys, I can't even tell you what my youth leader's name was. They never once talked to me one single time outside of school. Not one single time. I played three sports year round and I never one time had a youth leader or a single kid from my youth ministry come to a single game of mine, unless they were on the team too. You guys realize how good you got it? If you guys were like, I got a game tonight, will you come? Not only are your youth leaders probably going to come, but they're going to bring signs and they're going to bring people with them and they're going to act a fool and, you know, be encouraging to you. But not just things like that, but man, you got people who are saying hard things to you and trying to point you in the right direction. And they're like, do this, do this, learn from my mistakes. Please don't do what I did. Please listen to God. And then you guys are like, no, my way. And then you're like, you're stupid. I'm mad at you. I'm mad at God. Like, I hate everyone in this youth ministry. And everyone's like, okay. And that's not to say they're perfect. It's not to say any of you guys. You guys, like I've told you guys all before, you guys all got your own crap. You guys, need to, you guys need to be very graceful with one another. But also, like, I'm telling you, as imperfect as this youth ministry is, I would give them some my right arm. I would give my right arm to be a part of this youth ministry. I would give, and if I could get a time machine, okay, part of me is I know I'm who I am today because of what I went through and I've learned and everything else. But if, and an alter, I'm a big superhero fan, comic books, that's so high. If I could go to an alternate universe and I could go back to high school and be a part of this youth ministry, you guys don't even know. You don't even know. And I'm sure I'd act stupid. I'm sure I'd probably fight with them. I'm sure I'd be like, but you don't know. You don't know me. You don't know my situation. Like, you know, whatever. But I am telling you guys, do not get mad when you have to suffer the consequences of your own actions. You're mean you treat people like crap. You push people away, and you're like, no, it wants to be my friend. What? Oh, no, it wants to be your friend? Because, you mean, they begged, and they tried, and they pleaded, and then every time they said something to you, you, you pushed them away, or you were rude, or whatever. You're like, I don't have anybody at home that loves me. And then you have someone step in, try to be a mom figure to you, and you're like, you're not my mom. You don't know me. Like, I, guys, I'm not making that crap up. I see it happen. I'm, like, literally there. You know, you haven't come to be like, you, you need to be more purposeful. You're going to be way more fulfilled if you're giving back and you're reaching out and you're inviting and you're all like, well, I'm way more worried about who's going to be nice to me, who's going to be my friend. But if you guys would listen, I'm telling you, and I was that girl. When I first came around, I was like, I'm shy, I'm insecure. Who's going to be my friend? Who's going to be nice to me? Who's going to talk to me? And Ruth was like, how about you get out of yourself and you go give something to somebody else? And I'm telling you guys. That is the most amazing, fulfilling. You want to talk about getting your security? When you see somebody else's life be changed because of your life change and for you pouring into them, we're so dang worried about who, who, who. Like I'd walk into a room and I used to be like, everyone's looking at me. Everyone's judging me. 
then I came to grow up and realize that nobody really even noticed I walked into a room, let alone thought that much about me. But the crazy thing now is I walk into a room and I'm like, she needs me. She needs me to be, my, to be her friend. You know, or I'm like, yeah, I'm going through this right now, but who else is going through something else that I can be there for? But too often we're just so distracted by being angry. And Sarah spent most of her life being pissed off about Ishmael. Oh, that ain't fair. Oh, Abraham, you did this. Abraham's, what? That was your cockamamie scheme, lady. Not mine. But he wasn't the man. We shut that door, Sarah, that loud. Um, because she blamed him. She blames God. You hear that? God keep my, God's keeping me from getting pregnant. Your fault that you did this. She took no responsibility. And then she was mean to the lady that she gave to her husband. And she's like, heck, no, I'm not putting up with this. And she fled. She came back. But it was years and years and years and years. And you guys know a lot of the conflict in the Middle East can be traced back to the issues between the Israel and the other tribes. And it stems back to a lot of what happened here. Isn't that crazy to think that our world now is torn apart by some stupid decision that happened back then? So now that we've talked about bad, let's talk about the things we can change. Let's talk about the things that we can do. The first thing that I can do to be, be a faithful woman is I can accept that things aren't always going to go my way. Guys, newsflash, it's not always going to go your way. <laughs> it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be the way you think it's going to happen. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with girls, and they're like, no, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's going to happen this way, it's going to happen this way, it's going to happen, it's got to be him, it's got to be him. And they look back now with their new husband like, thank God it wasn't him. <laughs> Sarah's one of them. Sarah King and I, Miss Smith, literally had a knockdown drag out in a Target parking lot in a car because she wanted to marry the biggest loser on the, pla the planet. He was a liar. He was treated her like crap. He tried to push her to be sexually immoral. I mean, he was not cute. <laughs> and I was sitting there, and she would even, like, guys, she was, like, weeks away from her wedding, and she had tablecloths bought for her wedding. That's it. And I was like, you clearly don't want to get married to this guy. But she was like, but I'm engaged, and I want to get married, and this is how it's going to have to happen. And if you sit there and talk to her, I mean, guys, it was like, I was just like, if it were okay for me to punch you in the head until you were unconscious and then reprogram your brain, I would do it. But you know what? Sometimes we got to be like, you know what? I know it's like a joke. It's on your things. It be like that sometimes. Sometimes it does. Things aren't happening. You know what, guys, my life is phenomenal. My life is so much better. If you would have told me at your guys' age that I'd be where I am today with the family I have and the friends I have and the church and the purpose and the confidence and the security that I have, I would have been like Sarah when God told her at 90 years old she was going to have a baby and laugh. I would have laughed in your face and been like, yeah, right. Never in a million, million years. Guys, it didn't happen at all the way I thought it was going to happen. I was going to go to school. I was going to be a dentist. I was going to be rich. I was going to be a, not a feminist, but basically an independent woman who didn't need no man. I was not that girl who wanted a boyfriend growing up. I didn't care at all. And then I got married at 18. Like, God was like, oh, you want to be alone? Here you go. Here's a man. <laughs> like, I almost tell girls, you really, really, really want to get married? 
don't want to get married anymore, and then God will make you get married. But I look back, not make me, but you know what I mean, gave me something like an offer I couldn't refuse. But sometimes we are so concerned about it that sometimes you just have to be like, you know what? That's the way the cookie crumbles. I can't control it. It may not be the way that I thought it was going to happen, but it's okay. God's got this. He's got something better. You know, you look at the, Sarah, the story of Sarah. It's God's story. God said, I'm going to make something amazing happen. If God would have went to her at 19, 20 years old, prime age to get, get pregnant, and said, you're going to have a baby, and then she was like, bloop. <laughs> I'm pregnant. We did it one time. And I can make fun of those people because that is me. Um, and then it was like, and then she, and then they wrote the story in there. How many of us are like, okay, what do do? That's a cool story. She had sex. She got pregnant. That's how that works. But when you hear that a 90-year-old woman who was way, I'm assuming you guys all have basic understanding of anatomy and menopause and all that stuff. Like, a woman gets to a certain point, she stops having a period, she stops ovulating, she can't get pregnant anymore. Sarah literally laughed in an angel's, well, not in a face, she was behind a curtain, but then he was like, I hear you, I hear you laughing. And the Bible literally says she got scared and I was like, I didn't laugh. But then she later was like, I laughed. Because she knew it was ridiculous. She's like, I'm 90. I, it ain't gonna happen. And then God's like, and the angel's like, I'm gonna come visit you next year and you'll have a baby. It didn't at all happen the way, but you know what? That's an amazing story. Honestly, Sarah's story, Sarah and Tim's story, it's a way cooler story. It's a way more beautiful, poetic story. It really is. I bet you could ask probably every single one of your youth leaders. Did it happen the way you thought it was going to happen? No. Is your life where you said it was going to be when you are in high school? <laughs> no. But is God doing things and is things working out the way that God wants them to? Probably, if they're remaining faithful. So the biggest, biggest, biggest thing, and guys, I'm speaking to you as an almost 40-year-old woman, I have to tell myself sometimes, it's, that's, this is, I have to accept that it's not the way that my control freak nature wants it to be. It should be fair. This should happen this way. You guys know what? My dad should be a good dad. My dad right now should be a grandpa, should be at my house every day because he's good at construction, helping me finish out a house, not with some girl he had an affair with on the internet with a brand new family. And there are moments when that hits me, and I'm not saying, guys, don't grieve over the losses you have because you need to grieve them. You need to feel them. When you guys have those opportunities to share what's going on in your life, you got to talk about that stuff because if you do just push it down and you do just numb yourself, it will affect you in a certain way. And you are in the most safe, awesome place to be able to be real with who you are. But also, there has to be a point in time when sometimes I'm like, you know what, Hannah? That sucks. And there, Father's Day, I celebrate it with my husband, and I'm so grateful for the amazing father he is. And then I go in the bathtub at the end of the night by myself because I don't want him to feel bad. And I bawl my eyes out. And then afterwards, I'm like... It's there, and it hurts, but it's not the way I would have it. But I have to accept that things don't always go the way that I think they should or the way that I want them to. And that it's hard for me to hold on hope that if I remain a faithful woman, something will change someday. But you know what, guys? I've seen it happen. Even with parents, even with bad parents, I've seen them come to church and become Christians and, and change their life because of their daughter's 
influence and their daughter's example. And that's something that even at 40 years old, I have to hold on. If I'm faithful, God's going to work things out the way that God wants them worked out. The second thing that I can do is I can trust that God's rules, his word, and his promises. I can trust in them. Um, A lot of times, instead of trusting, we ask, why me? Instead of what can I learn, grow, or use to help others? I heard something the other day, and it resonated with me so much because my first reaction when something bad happens is, why me? Why do bad things have to happen to me? I had a horrible day yesterday. I had a horrible day. At about 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I sat there, and I was like, thanks a lot, God. Everything bad in my life. You just, you just couldn't let me have a, a day. Like, and then I sat back, and I had read this article the other day that was like, instead of always asking, why me? Ask, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? God, how are you trying to shape me as a person? How are you trying to show me character? And then I laughed because, like, my lesson tomorrow is about faithfulness and when things don't go your way. And I'm sitting here at 3 a.m. like, thanks a lot, God. You know, give me what I want. Why can't, why can't raising teenagers be easy? <laughs> you know, but uh, it is the way it is. I had another friend, her friend, my friend's name, Leah. She's like, you know what the funny thing is, is I asked God to give me patience. And then he gave me, he didn't give me compliant children. He gave me a little boy that drives me crazy. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, it's true. We're like, God, help me be this. God, I want to be this, blah, blah, blah. And then God's like, all right, here's something. It's going to help. It's going to test your faith, but it's going to help you grow. And then you're like, eh, no. But if you guys look at things and you're like, instead of being like, why is this happening to me? Be like, how can I raise up? How can I use this to change things? You know, well, maybe I'm in this situation and I'm being treated unfairly. I'm going to step out. I'm going to put myself in that person's shoes and ask myself, why are they this way? Did God put me in their life to help them? Because some of my very best friends right now are people that when I first met them treated me like crap. Push me away, push me away, push me away. And like I said, it's not my natural reaction. Some of you guys are like, hey, I'm here, the party's here. Not me, not my personality. And God was like, push, push, push. And some of those people are my, my ride or die, my forever friends. So asking yourself, why did God, why am I in this situation? Why did God tell me no? Jenna, what do you think, why do you think God told you no to having babies right away? You, I know you guys, some of you guys have probably heard this, and she's my sister, I love her to death. The most selfish little kid and teenager you'll ever meet. Some, like, one of the reasons why she has a heart for you guys so much is because she's, like, the worst of the worst here. Can't compete with me. You guys, when she was, like, four or five years old, she cut all her own hair off, and I was watching her, and I'm seven years older, and I was, like, the, I was the kid. Like, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. Like, oh, it's bedtime. Like, I think I got one spanking growing up because it took one spanking, and then I was, like, never again. (laughs) Jenna literally was, like, my parents were, like, sending her to our aunt's house, like, three times a week. They're like, have fun with her. She was, like, rambunctious. She was a fun kid. But she sat there for, like, seven hours and was like, Hannah did it. She held me down. She got all my hair off. She was, like, four, maybe. And my dad came outside and was like, we know you. We know never in a million years would you ever do that. But that girl's good. I believe her, but I know she's lying. But I mean, even from a very young age, she was, man, she could lie and manipulate and be selfish. She came down and she stole my uh, ID and went and used it, 
stole money and checks from my mom. You, like, she could tell you guys some stories, and I know it breaks your heart to have to go back and relive those stories, but to be perfectly honest with you guys, you will never find a more sympathetic, empathetic, caring adult than her. She has her crap, but I'm telling you, any of Anybody in our church who's going through, you could be trying to have a baby for one month. Jenna's going to be at your door the next month with a gift basket and a gift certificate to your favorite place, giving you like, you know, like rubbing your head, listen to you cry, being there. You can ask anybody. There is nobody who cares more deeply for people who are going through a hard time. And I want, and she'll say it, God told me no right away because he knew that I needed to grow from this. He knew I had things I needed to learn. Some of you guys are so some of you guys are spoiled brats. Some of you guys are my princess. Sarah's name got changed from my princess to princess because then she was God's princess. God said, she's no longer your princess, but she's my princess now. And some of us, guys, I was the same way. Spoiled brat, had everything handed to me. We were well off. Like I said, everything came very, very easily to me. And I know that God has put obstacles allowed obstacles, I guess, in my life, and to sit back and be like, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? What is God trying to teach me? It really will change things for you guys. Did we curse on Okay. <laughs> now that it's three words all the way through. Uh, Sarah remained faithful to God and her husband, even though um, the utmost desire of her heart wasn't being fulfilled. God said it was going to happen, and you know what? It would have been really easy for Sarah to be like, okay, it's been halfway through. It's been 45 years. You guys haven't even lived a third of that. But imagine three times what you've lived now, you still haven't gotten what God specifically promised. You sticking around? Guys, I don't, I, I'd like to say, I'm like, yeah. I don't know. It would be hard. It would be really hard. Some of you guys are like, I don't get one thing. I'm out. I'm outie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, me too. I'm like, I'm done. I, my, my key phrase for like, I think it was 2017, was I literally answered everything with, I'm done. I'm done. Me and my husband getting a fight. I'm like, I'm done. See you later. Like, he'd be like, you can't say I'm done. I'm like, no, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done emotionally. I'm done everything. Like, I, it's over. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's hard for us to remain faithful when we're not getting what we want. But Sarah did. You know, and then when he finally came to her and he made the promise, um, because before, like I said, it had just been to Abraham. It was 90 years old, and she physically heard the words herself, you're going to have a baby. Um, she chuckled, but she didn't lash out. Say you're 90 years old, and you're finally having someone come and be like, it's going to happen. My reaction would be like, are you serious? I've waited 90 years. Stop taunting me. I'm sick of this bro crap. Do you know how long I've waited? Like, blah, blah. like you guys, like, you come into my house, and you say one thing, sometimes a bad day. I'm like, I get the dishes. I get the lawn. Like, I can go on a rant for 45 minutes about all the good things I've done and why God isn't blessing me with all the amazing things that I, you know. And she could have been like that. She could have been like, you get out of here. I'm sick and tired of this crap. Stop. Go peddle your... Your promise is someplace else because I'm 90 years old. I mean, she was like, okay, I'm 90. I don't know if you know how this works. but uh, And she chuckled. But honestly, she could have been like, no, don't do it. I mean, I would have. I would have been like, don't you, don't, don't say, don't say the words. Don't say the words. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm glad you broke your elbow. <laughs> or I don't care. Dang, I always say it wrong. <laughs> it's my favorite quote. I don't care that you broke. I don't care that you broke your elbow. <laughs> um. And then the third thing that we can do is accept God's grace when I mess up, repent, and, and just continue to go on the path. 
One of the biggest things I think I see with you guys is this inability to forgive yourselves sometimes and realize, eh, I did that wrong, I messed up. Like I said, Sarah did some dumb crap. She did. But the Bible still says she's a faithful woman and God still followed through on his promises. And when you guys look at that and you see, like I said, so many of you guys are just punishing yourselves and punishing yourselves and you're not dreaming for yourself. You're not allowing other people to dream for you. You know, and you're just looking at it and you're like, well, or even you're like, well, I've went this, I went, I sent, Jenna, what's the meme I sent you last night? I love it when a 13-year-old says, I'm just gonna, you should have this, you should have everything I send you on Instagram committed to memory. <laughs> like, for real, though. I'm like, if this doesn't encompass teenagers, I'm done, everything, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm like, forget, what? You haven't even started yet. Like, like it's, it's you, you know, basic addition and subtraction. Like, you know, like, I'll have a, I might have an eight-year-old that'll be like, I'm just such a screw-up and my life is ruined. And I'm like, what? You just learned to ride a bike, kid. Like, you're a little behind the curve. But, like, let's not be so dramatic. But sometimes we do look at things and we're like, well, I mean, maybe you're a senior, and you're like, I got three months, then I'm out. No, you got three months to have the best last three months of your senior year. Make the most out of it. Leave a let. You guys can do so much. Forgive yourselves. Move on. Leave from this weekend. Take the things you've learned and rock out the last of the year. Your cross chats, guys. Maybe you've been selfish. Maybe you're like, I want to. I want to do something, but I just, I haven't so far. Okay, so you messed up. It's in the past. Move on. Maybe you had a bad attitude. Maybe you treat your parents like dirt. Maybe you treat your youth leaders like dirt. I don't know what it is, but you know what? There's not a, I'm telling you as a parent, you come back and you're like, I'm sorry. I want to change. I want to be different. Oh, it doesn't matter what you're doing in the past. I'm so alive, please. Like, you know, like, there's this love-hate relationship sometimes with teenagers. Like, I'm going to murder you, but I love you so much. Why, why can't we be best friends? Like, but I, I, am, I do know that there is a huge thing to be said for repentance. When you know you did something wrong and you own up to it and you change it and you remain faithful to God, there's a huge, God has blessed, you go through the Bible and you read it, God blesses it, blesses it, blesses it, blesses it. There's not... I don't think there's very many people in the Bible that God calls faithful and he calls out for doing awesome things who didn't do some of the most jacked up, screwed up things, weren't insecure, weren't cowardly, weren't promiscuous, some of them. There is nothing that you guys have done. There is nothing about you that is unlovable, unforgivable, or unable to be an amazing woman of God. Some of you guys are like holding on by a thread. Hold on. Don't give up. Do not let the world take you and eat you up and chew you out and spit, and spit you out. Don't do it. I'm begging you guys. Hold on by a thread. Keep, keep working. Keep getting closer to people. Keep forgiving people in here that maybe didn't do everything perfect because I guarantee you your relationships in here, even the ones that are flawed, are probably 100 billion times better than your relationships out in the world. And you could say, no, because there are other people out there, and they listen, and we talk, and we're close. But I guarantee you, they do not have your best interest at my, in heart. I guarantee you, they're not at night worrying about where your soul's going to end up. 
When I first met people on that college campus, I was 17 years old, it was the, like, guys, I was pretty popular. I know I've said this before, like, it's weird to say it, but I guess I was, I was captain, I was homecoming queen. I literally left not thinking a single person in the world cared about me, and you know what? They didn't. And then I met some people. Marcy was one of the very first people I met. And I was like, you care about whether I go to heaven or hell? You, you genuinely love me? And you care about whether or not I act like a fool? You're going to actually say, nobody ever said hard things to me before. Nobody ever challenged me. And that's what I was like, dang, that's real friendship. And were you perfect? At, we were 17 too, right? We were both like 17-year-old freshmen in college. And she was also not perfect. But I'm telling you, those were some of the best relationships that I could have ever had at that point in time in my life because they deeply cared about me on a deeper level. So when you guys are looking at these things, please, 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 you know, focus on the promise but don't be so focused on what you don't have. One of the greatest stealers of joy and faith and all the fruit of the Spirit is just constantly focusing on what I don't have. Sarah went through way too much time being like, God's not giving me this, God's not giving me this, I don't have this, that a lot of times it distracted her and she would get back on the right path, but man, we all do it, right? We're all like, well, she has that and I don't. Or why does she get this and I don't? Or why is this this way? Or whatever, and we... And I know I, I say this with Kenny, but my favorite book series in the whole wide world is Hunger Games. I love it. You, we will fight if you try to say any other book series is better. But one of my favorite things about it is after losing family members and people she was close to when going through a war and being ripped apart by whatever, at the very end, she says, like, as my children are playing on this field, that one that is, like, grown up over bones and, like, my, basically her entire town that was, like, obliterated, she says, I play this game with myself and I start to name off all the good things in my life because I have to bring myself back. And one of the things I really want to leave you guys with, something to do today, is to make a list. If you took no notes today, I don't care. Make a list of the things that God has blessed you with, that God has been faithful, that God has given you. And I want you to go back, and I want you to refer to it. Because when you're in those moments and you're like, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe God's not all he says he is. You guys need to go back to those things. When I have those moments with my dad and my mom, because she's a little crazy too. Not a little, that's me being nice. But I have to go back and name off this, 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 this. When I feel rejected by a friend or betrayed by somebody, I got to go back and be like, her, 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 her. Oh, okay. I'm, I got 50 f friends. Like, I have 50 people that are close to me. I can sit around and wallow all day and all night about this thing that's not going my way, or I can look at all of this that I have. So write those things down, pray over them, thank God for the things he's given you, and guys, keep, just keep fighting the battle to remain faithful. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for everything you've done for us and that you've given us. Thank you for allowing us to get together, God. Please help every single girl here to keep fighting, God, to fight for their relationship with you, to fight for their relationship with each other, and to fight for the relationships of girls who desperately need one with you. Thank you for all you've done, in Jesus' name, amen.